When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Living leaves a mark on our planet and in our communities, but it doesn't have to leave a scar. At OnPost, we're building a postal and delivery service for the future through Ireland's largest electric fleet, delivering e-commerce with zero emissions. With the Green Hub helping people transform their homes for greener living and services that keep our communities connected and thriving. Living leaves a mark. Together, let's leave one we're proud of. On post for your world. For more information on our zero emission deliveries in Dublin, Cork, Limerick and Waterford city centres, visit onpost.com forward slash sustainability. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hey everyone, it's Megan Trainer, And I'm a big bro, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> and we're starting a podcast. It's called Working On It. And we're working on just bettering ourselves overall as human beings. Listen, you're just going to get a behind the scenes look at our lives. We're just regular people. Just regular people in Hollywood. <laughs> we're going for it. Episodes drop every Wednesday. And we can't wait for you to listen. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts. And it's easy to see why. Listen to Working On It on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. So I live in Toronto and I go to the ROM pretty often, which is the Royal Ontario Museum. Or, you know, at least I did before the pandemic. When you walk in, you can see art and historical artifacts from all over the world. And it's a really stunning building. Part of the outside is in the shape of a diamond. And I know some people might find that to be a bit of an eyesore, but I think it makes the whole building really striking. And then once you're inside, it's just big, wide open spaces with so much light. And it makes the whole experience of walking through just really memorable. So a few years ago, I was walking around in the East and South Asia section. And I remember looking around and just being in awe. You know, there are these elegant ceramics beautiful carvings. And I can distinctly recall staring at this one particular vase and then reading the sign explaining where specifically it came from. And something in me just clicked. Like, wait a minute, why is this vase here in Toronto? You know, why isn't it 
in South Asia. And that was the same too for the Egypt and Sudan section. I think a lot of us have had this experience, you know, where we go into a museum and we're just in awe of all the culture that's around us. But I never thought until then, how did these objects get here? And should they be here? I couldn't get these thoughts out of my head. So I did what I always do. I started to report on the topic. And it took me down a path that was more sadistic than I prepared for. They chopped off the heads. And these heads were sent to Germany for racial researchers. There's a great deal of Germany's past that's well and publicly documented. That includes the horrors of its Nazi history. But this country has been slow and even reluctant at times to own up to some of its actions as a colonial power. A dozen people came to the Paris courthouse to support Congolese activist Imrim Wazul Yabanza. Many would call this theft, but this activist says he's only getting back what was taken away from his people. I came to reclaim goods that were stolen from Africa during colonization. This human remains, they're still here. This is Vice News Reports, and I'm your host, Ariel Zimros. And I'm Tarisain Gambura. So Tarasai, I've definitely been the person who's gone to museums and looked at all the artwork and the objects there and and been in awe of them, really. But it sounds like you took the act of going to a museum a step further and you actually looked into the origin of a lot of these objects. And what you found was pretty surprising. Yeah. So my goal as a reporter has always been to document Black stories from around the world. And that museum experience I was telling you about earlier, it really stuck with me. This idea of not knowing how and why certain objects were taken from where they're from, this is personal for me. I'm from Zimbabwe, and the colonial period there lasted almost a century. And so many of my country's cultural objects, tools, spiritual statues, pottery, were stolen by Western colonizers. They took them from Zimbabwe and other African countries and kept them as souvenirs. These are some of the bronzes stolen more than 100 years ago in what is now southern Nigeria. Or they sold them to collectors and museums throughout the US and Europe. The Africa Museum was commissioned by King Leopold II, a monument to himself and a glorification of Belgium's colonial adventures. It's common knowledge that these objects have been taken from their homes, often violently. But museums have tended to gloss over that part of history in favor of celebrating something more peaceful and PR-friendly, something like cultural exchange. But over the last few years, there has been a heightened global awareness about the very present impacts of colonialism. And that's forcing Western powers to re-examine their past actions and the way they talk about history. You know, in different parts of the world, affected by imperialism, Statues that represent this painful and violent history are being torn down by people who don't accept the PR-friendly version of the narrative. That statue represents years of oppression. It represents years of hurt. Actions of revered historical figures are getting called out. The city-owned statue shows former President Teddy Roosevelt on a horse riding high above Native American and African figures. 
You probably remember that scene from Black Panther in which Killmonger is at a museum, examining these looted artifacts from Africa, and then arranging a deadly art heist to take some of them back. Yeah, totally. How do you think your ancestors got these? You think they paid a fair price? Or did they take it like they took everything else? And that was definitely a big moment, and I think something that really pushed forward this conversation. But the truth is, these conversations have been happening for decades. Conversations about how the presence of these stolen artifacts represents and even perpetuates the violence of colonialism itself. And in my reporting, I got the chance to meet a man who has made it his mission to get those items back. I mean, he's not Killmonger, but he spent most of his life leading this movement. Are we together? His name is Nyaka Sururumboro. Yes, we're together. So first, can you introduce yourself? My name is Nyaka Sururumboro. Okay, so tell me about him. So I think to really understand Nyaka, we have to start at the beginning. And I mean the beginning of his life. So he's born in East Africa in 1948. I am from Tanzania on the slopes of mountain Kilimanjaro. He grows up in this part of the country that's right next to Mount Kilimanjaro, called Moshi. I grew up with my sisters and brothers who came after me. How many boys and how many girls were there? It was very fair. (laughs) We are six boys and six girls. This region where he grows up had once been a German colony. In many ways, it was still influenced by German imperialism. Nyaka is baptized in the Catholic Church. The church gives him the name Ludwig. Hmm. And so he grows up really straddling these two worlds. Because at home, his grandmother is constantly reminding him about his heritage. You know, singing songs to him in Kiswahili. Tanganyika, Tanganyika. She also tells Mnyaka stories of how his ancestors, the Chaga people, have fought back against the colonizers about how they died so their loved ones could one day be free. One of her favorite stories is about Mangimeli, who was the chief of the Chaga people in the 1890s. The story goes that Meli recruited not only Chaga people, but surrounding groups as well to fight what was then a common enemy, Germany. German colonizers were forcing people to build railroads and other infrastructure so they could transport goods like coffee and tobacco to the coast, where they would then be shipped off to Europe. But Meli wouldn't have it, so he got several chiefs in the area to join him in leading an insurrection against the Germans. He started to chase the Germans out of the area. But in the year 1900, the Germans caught him and executed him. They hanged him publicly for everyone to see. The way Mnyaka's grandmother explains it, Meli was so strong, it took him six hours to die. I was saying, what? She's exaggerating. It cannot be true. Someone hanging on a rope for more than six hours. He doesn't die. Of course, Nyaka says when he got older, he learned that the Germans had done something to make sure Meli died a slow death. The German, they put a kind of a knot 
to torture him so that he dies slowly. So people see when they try to do anything against the Germans, this is what is going to happen to them. And this is the part that Mnyaka's grandmother is constantly reminding him about. That after the Germans killed Monkey Mali, they took his body back with them to Germany. This was not unheard of back then. Hundreds of colonizers would take African bodies back to their home countries so scientists there could study them. Doctors, researchers would perform experiments and studies on Black people to try and find a scientific reason for white supremacy. Right, that's just straight-up scientific racism. Exactly. And for Meli's people, including Nyaka's grandmother, they felt this loss. And the fact that Mangi Meli has never been properly buried is always on her mind. It is very important for these people to be brought back home and to be buried. Eventually, Mnyaka grows up and goes to university in Dar es Salaam for civil engineering. This is like 1978, so he's about 30, and he gets a scholarship to continue his education in Germany. So when he receives the news, he travels back home to tell his grandmother that he's leaving for Germany. It was somewhere around five in the evening. I told her, I am leaving the country to go to Germany. She rushed outside and she made this joy kind of like... Mnyaka says she ran outside of her hut and immediately started celebrating. The neighbors and, and, and they came. What is going on? What is going on? What's wrong? What's going on? And she is so, so excited. Not just because he's going for his education, more because her grandson is going to where Mangi Meli is, one of her heroes. She did tell the people, now you see what I've been telling you, now it is becoming a truth. Here he is, he's going to German to bring back Mangi Meli. So she's like, hey, while you're there, can you find him? And of course I said, yes, grandmother. I will do that. Mnyaka thinks, you know, maybe this won't be so hard. I didn't say that there is a problem not to get it back. Maybe they will just give his remains back to us. I thought it would be easy. But it isn't, my dear. It is, of course, now I know how difficult it is. We'll be right back. Selling a little? Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. At Experts Electrical, we're celebrating Italian pizza perfection with Smeg. Buy a Smeg Victoria, Opera, or Portofino range cooker and get a free Smeg pizza stone and shovel worth €169. Euro. The finest Italian cookers, the finest Italian pizza. Perfetto. Shop Smeg now at your local Experts Electrical store and expert.ie. Hi, friends. I'm Hector Navarro. And I'm Frankie Grande. We're your hosts for SpongeBob Binge Pants, Nickelodeon's podcast celebrating all things SpongeBob universe. We have the privilege that not many SpongeBob fans get. This being an official Nickelodeon podcast, we get to interview the brilliant humans behind the names we've all been reading in those credits for over 20 years. This is a podcast by fans for fans. Listen to SpongeBob Binge Pants on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember when we thought tech would save the world? Now we fear it may bring about the end times. But we don't have to live in the futures we see in Terminator, Black Mirror, or Westworld. We can choose a different path, where instead of being used by tech, we use tech to bolster our individual participation, to strengthen our relationships, to help us flex our collective power. So season three of How to Citizen with Baratunde, it's all about tech. Launching October 14th, we will bring you the people building things with technology that go beyond just revenue and user growth. They empower us to citizen. Listen to How to Citizen with Baratunde on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. So Minyaka leaves Tanzania for Germany. And then what happens? So he lands in Germany in 1978, but he speaks no German. So while he's taking German lessons to learn the language, he's also asking his teachers if they know about Monkey Melly so he can try to find him. They say anyway, they don't have any idea about that. And even they, they did pretend as if as if they don't know anything about German colonialism in Africa. After a while, he starts to guard searching on his own. And remember, he's a student. He's studying civil engineering full-time. So this is really a side hustle. You know, some people might play tennis on the weekends. He's out there at museums trying to find the remains of this hero to his people. I asked Nyaka about what those trips were like. He remembers one instance early on. He walks in and asks one of the museum workers how we can get access to the museum archives. The man tells him to write an application letter to the museum director. I did watch. He advised me and I wrote again and again. But anyway, I didn't receive anything from them. Right. Clearly there's some red tape here. He can't just walk into the archives and just look at whatever he wants. Yeah, you know, and also people aren't exactly willing to help him. 
And that really bothered me, Aka. I was uh, totally sad and disturbed. I was asking, who are they? To not to give me a permission to look our own objects and to look for our ancestors. Who are they? Who are they? You know, I think he expected that as somebody going to higher education, all you would have to do was go to a building somewhere in Germany and give the monkey Mali's name. And all they would do is go through their human remains list and find it. But after a while, he realizes that's not happening. We reached out to a few of these institutions about whether they remember Mnyaka visiting back then or if they had records of these visits. Some of them definitely know Mnyaka and have known him for a long time, but others didn't get back to us. No one seems to understand what am I looking for. So sometimes even I think that am I stupid or what is wrong with me? Okay, so what did Mnyaka tell his grandmother back at home? So you have to keep in mind that there was no easy way for him to connect with his family back home. I mean, there was no Facebook. There was no WhatsApp. It was a long time until he talked to his family again. And so in 1982, he goes back to Tanzania so he can at least see his family and his grandmother and just let them know how things are going. When I came to the village, I find the people looking funny to me and so I said, what's wrong? What is happening here? He finds out that his grandmother had actually passed away a couple of years before, and he had no idea. She told my parents, my sisters and brothers and neighbors not to give him a message that I am dead. She didn't want the news of her death to stop the work that he was doing in Germany. In her mind, the work he was doing was too important that not even her passing was reason enough for Mnyaka to be disrupted. That gave me to say, no, what you started, you have to finish it. It gave me an energy to look for Mangi Mary Hada. And so, once again, he leaves Tanzania and goes back to Germany. And once he's in Germany, he starts to go out a bit more. He starts meeting up with other young students from Africa. This is like 1983, 1984. They're in Germany at this time where the Cold War is spreading to Africa. Many countries are just a couple of decades or so into their independence. They're starting to get out from under British, French, Portuguese control. And they're building alliances with the Soviet Union. And with all this happening, Nyaka is becoming more politically aware. We used to meet also to discuss about apartheid because we're against apartheid. Also, we're discussing about Namibia, Angola, and so on, and Zimbabwe, and so on. This excitement in the air and this renewed sense of urgency, you know, of, of rebellion against these former colonial powers. And Mnyaka's search for Mangimeli's remains, that continues. Because even though these countries are no longer hubs for racist science, 
human remains are still scattered throughout Germany, throughout Europe, and throughout the Americas. Those that aren't on display are in basement and just collecting dust and uncared for and also still not buried. So Mnaka and his friends, they start showing up in pairs and in groups and they're going into these museums and hospitals and laboratories, anywhere where they think human remains are being kept and they're demanding to be let in. But these museums and labs, they don't want to deal with this. And in some cases, Miyaka told me, the staffers deny that they even have human remains on their premises. They said, we don't have human beings here. And if we do have human beings here, we just only allow scientists in and not anyone else. So over the next few years, Miyaka and his friends form a bunch of organizations to formalize their search. And it takes years. They're writing letters, staging protests, holding lectures, until finally they start to see some action. We are gathered here to receive the human remains of our forebears, the heroes and the heroines of Namibia, who were taken from the land of their birth. So in 2011, Nyaka and his group get Germany's Cultural Heritage Agency to send 20 human heads back to Namibia. To a foreign country overseas, Germany. A few years later, they learn of six skulls that could be from Tanzania. He suspects one of them is Mangi Meli, so they actually track down Meli's great-grandson and fly him to Berlin for DNA test. But it's not a match. Wait, so did Minyaka ever find Mangi Meli? No. It's been over 40 years, but he still hasn't found him. But like I said, his efforts are finally, today, getting some international attention. A couple of years ago, two scholars, Felwyn Saar from Senegal and Benedict Savoy from France, went back and tried to document France's role during the colonial period. The report confirmed what Nyaka and his fellow activists and his grandmother have long suspected, that approximately 90 to 95 percent of Africa's cultural objects are right now outside of Africa. So that means only about 5 to 10 percent of Africa's cultural heritage is on the continent where it belongs. Je ne peux pas accepter qu'une large part du patrimoine culturel de plusieurs pays africains soit en France. After that report was published, France's president Emmanuel Macron vowed to return these artifacts back to their proper place. But it's been three years now since the report was first published, and France has barely returned anything. So it's like people know that these objects don't belong there, but nothing's really changed. Exactly. More on why after the break. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hi, I'm Liam. You're probably wondering, what do me and Cadbury Snack Sandwich have in common? Well, we're both wonderfully ordinary. Like right now, I'm doing some gardening and listening to my favourite radio show. How wonderfully ordinary is that? Cadbury Snack Sandwich. The purple snack. A wonderfully ordinary biscuit with just a delicious layer of Cadbury chocolate sandwiched between two shortcake squares. Available in a store near you. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. In this season of Unobscured, we will follow Grigory Rasputin's transformation from a peasant at the crossroads of history to a monster at the center of far too many legends. And in the process, learn how he took the weight of a fallen empire with him to the grave. Elite aristocratic society in Russia at the time was fascinated with very spiritualist leaders, with gurus. And there was this desire to seek alternate ways of connecting with reality that traditional religion and the church were unable to explain to people who were seeking answers to sort of these life's questions that seemed to have this pressing urgency right around 1900. Join us as we make our way into the burning palaces of Imperial Russia to dig up the truth about Grigory Rasputin. Unobscured Season 4 is available now. Listen and subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So, Teresai... If we know where these objects are from, and there's been renewed interest in addressing this issue, like that report in France, what is the holdup? Sorry, I just like breathe really loudly in the microphone because this question always gets me. That's okay. Um, I think, well, God, there's so many answers to that. When it comes to human remains, as you can tell from Nyaka's story, it can take a very long time first to even find them, then getting institutions to admit that they have them. And then it takes time to identify them and also where specifically they came from. And it also takes money. For example, right now, the German government is working to identify 1,200 skulls. That work is funded by a private foundation and it's been delayed in part because of COVID. On the other hand, when it comes to artifacts and art that was taken during the colonial era, the holdup is a little more complicated. There are private foundations working to find out when these objects were taken and where they came from. And in some cases, those efforts are funded by governments. But at the same time, these things being either in England or in France or in Germany 
they bring a great deal of money to these museums. Because people come from all over the world to come see these statues, to come see these artifacts. And so getting museums on board with something that might take those objects away can take a while. But don't museums tend to argue that by educating the public about other cultures that are different from the ones where the museums are located, that they're actually helping bring people together? I guess I'm wondering, is there value for people in Britain to be able to see these artifacts? And does that create community and understanding and a general sense of appreciation for other cultures? I mean, there's definitely that argument, yes that there is a cultural exchange that's happening. And sometimes you see leaders of these museums and institutions acknowledging the impact of colonialism, but still failing or refusing to send them back. And this exchange that they talk about is not a true exchange. Because what's really being learned of the majority of my work is there, but none of yours is in my country. You would never really have a case where over 90% of Europe's artifacts are anywhere else but in Europe. Right. It's a lopsided argument, and it's entitled, The West is saying, we deserve to have these objects here. It's paternalistic. Exactly. And we're seeing other arguments that perpetuate this sense of paternalism in the museum world. That they're being more properly cared for in the UK than they would in, say, Nigeria. Some museums will deign to send objects back on loan. First of all, you can't loan something that doesn't belong to you. Not to mention that we're talking about objects that were likely taken violently. Right. And so there continues to be this incentive to ignore the real history. Because were you to actually admit that these things don't belong to you and shouldn't be here, that's also you saying that what was done was not only illegal, but it was wrong. And that opens up a whole other Pandora's box. Because then if it was wrong, and if we admit that it was wrong, do we owe these countries financial compensation? Do we owe them, you know, an apology? I don't think people really want to, and by people I mean museum institutions and museum directors, and on a larger scale, just lawmakers in general. I don't think they want to have to deal with the reality of returning what is not theirs. Because then their status as a cultural hub, as a cultural mecca, it's completely reduced. Because then this reveals that a substantial amount of the culture that they have to show isn't theirs. Yeah, it doesn't really feel like these museums and institutions are quite ready to deal with this kind of cultural reckoning, at least right now. So what now? Right. You know, we talked about that scene in Black Panther earlier. Some activists are doing exactly that, but in real life. People like Mwazulu Diabanza. Mwazulu's family is originally from Congo, and he spent the last few months on a whirlwind tour of some of the most famous museums in Europe. Places like the Quibronli in Paris, the Louvre, the Africa Museum in the Netherlands. 
what Mazulu does is he walks into these places, finds objects on display from Congo, either a sword or a funerary post, and he just takes them right out of the museum. And he films the whole thing. So, I'm always deeply aware of the rule not to touch things at museums. So that feels like a pretty bold move. It's the boldest move. I mean, you would never think to do that. And he's definitely gone in trouble over this. I mean, he's been arrested. He's been to court. He's had to pay fines. But his basic argument is just, look, these belong to my people. They don't belong here. So we have to do something about it. And if you're not going to give me back what's mine, I'll just take it. Like you did. Moazula's videos have racked up a ton of views online. I was really curious and wanted to know what Mnyaka thinks of them. He's been doing this for 40 years now, but he's never done something this drastic. But it turns out, he's a fan. Does it make you happy to see young Africans like Mwazulu doing what he did? Not making me happy. I am proud of them. Very proud of them. Such are the young people whom really I say, yes, these are our successors next. Because anyway, I'm growing old. Mnyaka is still going at it. And most recently, the organization he co-founded, Berlin Postcolonial, has been focused on renaming streets named after colonial oppressors. So even though he is still looking for Mangimeli, his work has really snowballed into this larger quest. How do you think your grandmother would feel knowing that you spent almost 45 years just trying to make her wish come true? I think... She sees how I'm struggling, and I think she is pleased what I am doing because I'm doing it to my total capacity. So I think she does see that. And even, even, even when people started asking me, where really do you get this energy from? I said, might be from my grandmother. Even though Nyaka hasn't left Berlin. He's still planning to go back to Tanzania one day. Still, I have to finish what I started. So you only go back forever once you found Mangimeli? When I find Mangimeli and also the objects which they have taken away from us, I solve that problem, then is when I will say, anyway, now I can rest. At least what I started, I have to bring it to the end, my dear. The fact that he's still searching, to me, that shows that he isn't just on some kind of symbolic journey, right? Bringing these objects home and honoring them, that in and of itself has value to him. Exactly. People care about their cultural production. They care about their histories. They care about what was taken. And so it may have taken decades of work, in part thanks to Nyaka, to get to this point. Even still, at my age now, I'm fighting the same war that Mnyaka has been fighting. 
Like I'm here talking about this conversation. And it's important that we keep having it because so many young Africans growing up don't know that their country and their continent was this particular way because there's no proof of that. And so if you have no evidence, you never really know if it was factual or not. All you have are stories to go from. All you have are your grandmother's retellings of greatness. But you don't have the evidence. And so what that does is it takes away your understanding of what it means to be who you are and what it means to be where you're from. I asked what kind of family she wanted. She said, a family like yours. Learn more about adopting a teen at AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. There's so much going on in Latin America. In Colombia, demonstrations against proposed tax reforms have turned into countrywide protests. It can be confusing. Health authorities across Latin America are battling a rise in coronavirus infections. That's where El Hilo, a Spanish-language podcast from Radio Ambulante Studios and Vice News, comes in. Cuando un edificio se cae, no perdona. Cuando tú vives en una dictadura, ¿qué opciones tienes si eres oposición? O la cárcel o el exilio. Listen to El Hilo every Friday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. I want to get back to being in my community group. I want to continue having a soccer season. So I can throw parties again. <laughs> so I can go to her parties. <laughs> It'd really be nice to dine in instead of getting delivery for a change. So I can feel safe and protected for myself and my students. We each have our own reason for why we're getting vaccinated against COVID-19. What will yours be? Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org for information on the COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Special thanks to Minyaka Sururu Mboro for sharing his story with us. You can read more of Teresai's reporting in the Unthinkable Ideas issue of Vice magazine. We've linked to the article in the show notes. Thanks also to Kate Dries and Leah Feiger. Vice News Reports is produced by Jesse Alejandro Cutrell, Sophie Casis, Jen Kinney, Janice Yamoka, and Julia Nutter. Our senior producers are Ashley Cleek and Adiza Egan. Our associate producers are Sam Egan and Adriana Rodriguez. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone, Pran Bandy, and Kyle Murdoch. Our executive producer and VP of Vice Audio is Kate Osborne. Janet Lee is senior production manager for Vice Audio. Production coordination by Steph Brown. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. From iHeart executive producers Nikki Etor and Lindsay Hoffman. I'm Ariel Zuemros. I know podcast hosts say this constantly, but for real, please rate and review the podcast. It really helps other people find the show. Vice News Reports drops every Thursday, so be sure to check back in next week. Everyone knows Romeo serves some of the best fish and chips in Ireland. But did you know that our pizzas are just as tasty too? 
hand-rolled, stone-baked and covered in fresh mozzarella. No wonder our Big Five deal is so popular. Romeo's 12-inch margarita pizza, five chicken goujons, three onion rings, chips and a choice of dip for just $12.95. Order now on the app or romeos.ie. The Big Five, just $12.95. Romeo's, ready when you are. I want to get back to kissing the cheeks of my grandbabies, making Sunday dinner with a house full of family and lots of laughs. <laughs> COVID-19 has changed how we live and how we feel. But now, there are vaccines. And they are the very first step that let us get back to what we miss most. It's okay to have questions. Is it safe? Should I wait? Now, get the facts. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision when vaccines are available to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. River Cafe Table 4 is a brand new podcast with me, Ruthie Rogers. Each week, I invite a special guest, such as Paul McCartney, to discuss their food memories. John Lennon and I hitchhiked to Paris, and we thought, oh, we've got to have a wine experience. We're in France. And we took a sip and thought, that is terrible. It's like vinegar. Listen to River Cafe Table 4 on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.